I like to get a little closer, if I may. Um, so I'm Andrew Cooley, a retired priest um, living in Tacoma, and uh, really delighted to be with you and grateful for Josh to invite me to be here. I want to uh, look at the gospel passage that we had. Um, the passage uh, depicts an encounter of Jesus with uh, his, uh, his disciple Simon, uh, and, and it takes place about halfway through the events of the, uh, of the life of Jesus as depicted in, in the gospel. So uh, early in the gospel, of course, was Jesus calling Simon and his brother Andrew to be fishers of men. Um, they were witness to Jesus as he gave the Sermon on the Mount. Um, they were with Jesus as he healed people and, and continued a ministry of teaching, of parables. Um, it was, uh, um, uh, th they were witnesses to Jesus as he had compassion on a crowd of thousands of people. And he took bread and blessed it and, and fed the people. Uh, 5,000 were miraculously fed. And it was soon after that that uh, um, Simon and, and the other uh, disciples were, um, were asked by Jesus to go out and, and to give, and give an authority to heal people of their diseases and cast out demons and proclaim the nearness of the kingdom of God. And then um, uh, Simon and, and, and the others were in a boat. Uh, the wind was strong, and it was in that moment that uh, they saw Jesus coming to them, walking on the water. And it was Simon, as you recall, who asked, uh, if it is you, Lord, ask me to come out, which he did. And then um, Simon um, was on the water with, with Jesus for a moment until his faith wavered and he began to sink. Right before this encounter that we have here, um, Jesus took Simon and, uh, and a few others with him up on a mountain and there was, trans was transfigured before them and also was accompanied by uh, Moses and Elijah. And so now we come to this moment in Caesarea Philippi, a, a distance away from their familiar territory, and Jesus asks the question, who do people say that I am? And he gets a variety of answers. And then he asks this all-important question, who do you say that I am? And it is Simon who is the first one who offers these words of faith, that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus commends Simon for, these, for this response and, and says to him that you are blessed. Like he said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you, and he names all these categories. He says now to Simon, you are blessed. And that it comes to you not because of your flesh and blood, but because of, a, of an inspiration that you, you say these words. And for that, I will, um, I will give you a new name. And so Jesus says, no longer are you Simon, but you are now Peter. And furthermore, he gives to Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven. This is a dramatic turning point in not only the life of Jesus, but also certainly in the life of Simon, of Peter now. 
And yet it seems unlikely that he would be given this name, Peter. I mean, the only indication that he is rock-like may have been that moment that he got out of the boat and began to sink. Um, but it is, uh, Simon is, is a person full of, uh, of impetuous uh, eagerness. Um, he, he is the first to do these things, the first to speak up, but yet he often uh, then has moments of doubt or indecision or, or confusion. Um, and yet uh, it is he who is given this name Peter. Peter is in fact from the Greek word Petros, which means rock. So it's a, it's a kind of funny turn of phrase how Matthew says, you are Peter, you are rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, I, I am um, convinced that in, in the writing of Matthew's gospel, that Matthew is doing something clever as he has all these encounters with, uh, with Peter. And I, I would suggest that it is Peter who stands for the reader, that the, the question that is asked of Peter, uh, who do you say that I am, is in fact the question that Matthew in intends for each of the persons who read this, this gospel to have to answer for themselves. Who do you say that Jesus is? And, and, and the answer that you give is, is life-changing. And I would further say that the, uh, that the charge that is given to Peter is also given to us as we come to that same answer. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus says to, to each of, of us who would respond, you are Petros, you are a rock. It is on you that I build the church. To you are given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And as I think of that process, what does that mean of, of becoming a, a, a follower of Jesus, becoming a Christian, becoming one who declares these words, you are the Messiah, the son of the, of the living God. And I think of, of my, uh, my history of growing up in, in, in the Intermountain West and my father being a geologist of, of coming upon petrified wood. And I think of that process which is very slow and, and amazing how it happens. So I, um, I, I brought a, a visual aid with me. I have uh, three pieces of, uh, of petrified wood that, um, that, that still show the, the, the veins, the, the, the rings of, of the wood. The, the texture of the, of the wood is, is, is clearly in these. And, and um, I'm going to pass these around so that you can touch them and just sort of see what they're like. The, the, the way this process works is that um, very rarely, but from time to time, uh, um, a, a tree is covered in, a, in mud. And in a, in a mud that is, that is rich in a certain mineral, the, uh, uh, a silicate. And, and over, over hundreds of years, the, the wood is uh, molecule by molecule dissolved. The cellulite dissolves. 
And in, in that vacuum, in that spot where the uh, cellulite had been, then is deposited uh, um, silica. Uh, and, and then the, uh, the, that, that silicate needs to be, as it were, baked needs, with pressure and heat to turn into this, this rock that is essentially flint. It is the same kind of rock that, that flint is, is made of. Um, it's, it's an incredible process. So I want to think about what that means for us. And, and in fact, refer to the, um, to the second lesson that we heard, the passage from Romans, where Paul says, I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves, your, your souls and bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. And then he goes on and says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The invitation, I believe, to, to, to be a Christian is, is to be transformed, is to allow ourselves to be transformed. And I would say that has to do with surrendering ourselves. My opening prayer, which is from uh, uh, the, the former presiding Bishop Frank Griswold, has that, that, that line in it, help us to yield all. I, I think of that as, as yielding our, our false self, about letting go of that which is not Christ, of, of letting that go. And I think of that being my, uh, uh, all the things that my ego is invested in, my, uh, my reputation, my, my name, my... Uh, my, my uh, interests or habits, the, the, that, the, that may be delightful to me. I think God is sort of indifferent to that. How might we be filled instead with Christ, being filled with Christ and let Christ come into our lives? And I want to suggest that there are maybe five, um, five practices that have really been helpful for me as I think of that process of by the renewing of our mind, by being transformed. So the first practice I want to commend is, is the practice of common prayer. The thing that is distinctive about Episcopalians, what makes us different from people of other denominations, is, is our, uh, our commitment and practice of common prayer. The, and and I, I sense that in the way we sing the psalms together, the way we recite the creed and the, and the prayer together. You know, there's a certain kind of rhythm. You, you, you take a breath in the same way. You, those, those words flow, and it's almost as if your words are, are formed and shaped by the, by, in the mouths of, of those who are around you. We become one voice. Um, in, in the psalm, Psalm 22, there's a wonderful verse. It says, the Lord is enthroned in the praises of Israel. And I think of uh, what a rabbi told me once. Is he said that, um, that, that another way of understanding that could be God pitches a tent in the praises of God's people. And so I think when we when we sing the Gloria together, when we say the Lord's Prayer or the Creed together, when we... When we uh, um, when we gather our voices together, that we create a space that God dwells in. And like with the petrified wood, we empty ourselves and are filled in, in, instead with, with, with God's presence. So the practice of common prayer. The second practice I commend to you is the, the practice of sacrificial generosity. 
of letting go of, our, of ourselves, letting go of those things that we uh, were attached to. Um, I'm grateful to have uh, been taught and, and, and adopt the practice of tithing, which I've done now for uh, 50 years. Um, I, uh, letting go of a tenth of, of what I earn. But even uh, the practice of giving blood has been something that has been very meaningful to me in a way of letting go of something that is sort of precious and dear to me that my life depends on and yet sharing it with others. Um, time, um, wisdom uh, are all things that, that we can give away, but even to give away where they, um, as, as a bishop uh, who ordained me said, uh, it's easy to give until it hurts. It's giving until it feels good that is our, our goal. Sacrificial giving is, is a way in which we then create a space where God then also inhabits. So, common prayer, sacrificial generosity. The third practice I would commend to you is meeting Jesus in Scripture. Um, reading uh, Scripture, reading books that point to Jesus, reading of the faith of other people, uh, learning um, uh, sermons, uh, podcasts, wh whatever it is that, that sort of stimulates your mind and causes you to think about Jesus, to know Jesus, to imagine Jesus having a role in your life, inviting you into, into how you would think, how you would address uh, various things. But, but knowing Jesus through the practice of reading the Bible and, um, and, and, and further kinds of uh, study and exposure. The fourth practice is, is compassion, the, uh, the extending yourself in, in goodness and mercy to others in need, to uh, uh, giving a cup of cold water to, to those who are thirsty. Uh, looking at uh, Matthew 28, where um, uh, whether it's visiting in prison, uh, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, those kinds of things where, where you're giving of your time and your energy, of your being part of, 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 of thinking of the needs of others other than yourself is a way to create that space and be filled. And then the fifth practice I commend to you is the practice of radical hospitality, of welcoming into your life people who have some influence or, or role, who, who may be, in fact, different than you, who may look different than you, who may have a perspective that is different than your own, that may stretch you a little bit. But, but hospitality, certainly welcoming others, being friendly and kind is, is a good thing. But I'm going to suggest that radical hospitality is that kind of welcome where you allow yourself to be changed. You allow yourself to be different because of the encounter you have with, with another person. So who are those people that, uh, that you have let into your life that have touched you and changed you and you are grateful for and how you might think of doing that as a, as a practice? I note with interest in the, uh, in, in the announcements at the back of the bulletin that Josh is uh, offering a Zoom class in September on practices. And so this maybe gives you a little head start to think about what are some practices that you might think about in your life. Um, but I, I commend to you these five the, of um, ways in which we might not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds to be petrified, as it, as it were, to uh, the practice of common prayer, 
the practice of sacrificial generosity, the practice of meeting Jesus in scripture, the practice of, of compassionate uh, and merciful acts, and the practice of, of radical hospitality. Let's take a moment and, and uh, reflect on that process of transformation. Uh, I'm going to uh, recite a, a passage from Psalm 46, and I would invite you to repeat it uh, as I say it, and then uh, let's enter into a moment of silence. It'll be a good minute or so, and then I will call our attention back as we prepare then to continue with the Nicene Creed. But now, would you repeat these words? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be still. Be. 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 Still. Be.